This is Psych Bates, a show about what really matters in mental health, of all matters, mental health. We bring you the biggest experts for the most important topics. By any means necessary. Let the debates begin. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Monty Altohami and Dr. Jonathan Amias, your favorite psychiatry residents. We are back at it again with another great episode of Psych Debates. Wow, what a positive uh, introduction. It's almost like we're about yes. to go into a positive psychology <laughs> discussion. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. We get ready for the positivity uh, because today's topic is positive psychology. Yay. Uh, and we have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Tayyab Rashid who is essentially one of the uh, figures and authorities on the topic. He's the inaugural president of the International Positive Psychology Association and who co-authored the Positive Psychology uh, Psychotherapy book uh, with Dr. Martin Selgman, who's who's the founder of of Positive Psychology. Uh, And so essentially, we're really excited to have him on. Very much. I'm Um, ready for a good psychotherapy session myself. Uh, Absolutely. Something to pick me up during those long residency hours. I'm feeling the (laughs) placebo effects already, as (laughs) as well as the good positive points that are about to come on. That's right. I don't discriminate. Uh, I'll take a placebo if I'm happier, but... (laughs) I'll take take a good placebo any day. So this is this is such a popular branch of psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like at least outside of the academic circles, I would say that it's probably the most familiar, um, at least peripherally with with people in the population. And I think what people think mm-hmm. it's it's uh, hard to like put down do. something like positive psychology. Like yeah, <laughs> like oh, what you're how how wrong for you being positive, sir? Like no, that's absolutely. <laughs> And like, I think it's like the thing that we come across the most when we look at like social media uh, or like pop culture. And that's probably what people think that we do, per, uh, just kind of uh, kind of uh, superficially think that we do. Like we're, we're, we're pep, we're kind of the positive folks. Um, right, right. We're the, so, we're the friends, right? We're the, we're yeah, the people so, that you come to, you, <laughs> you pay like $100, just talk to us for an hour and you walk away feeling good about yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like in, in some way that, that should be true. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it makes sense that, uh, that positive psychology is really intended to focus on the general well-being of folks mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to people who we typically see as psychiatrists or clinical psychologists or mental health care workers in the clinical setting mm-hmm. that are coming in with ailments and, and complaints that we need to address, that positive psychology can be addressed as, as almost like a preventative totally. uh, measure. Um, and it's also just as general advice to the public. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly, right? Like you don't necessarily need to have like a psychiatrist diagnosed depression in order to benefit from this. I'm also curious to see like the differences between just like, you know, saying, Oh, be positive, <laughs> you know, or, or I don't mm-hmm, know, like, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eat a sandwich, you know, do something you like, you know, get, get, yeah. get your favorite piece of cake. And, and <laughs> eat a sandwich. <laughs> if that, that's, that would be yeah, something. So that would be I've heard that. I'll say right now. <laughs> I'm sure people get pretty frustrated uh, when you tell them be positive. So I, I'm I'm curious to hear uh, uh, what Dr. Tayyip Rashid has to say. And also, you know, just for our audience, I feel like just to kind of give a definitional analogy here or, or metaphor, uh, if if zero is neutral, uh, neutral, whatever that may be for you, um, then uh, uh, 
ailments or complaints or what we call psychopathology um, is in the negative realm of that metric. And uh, positive psychology can be seen as in the positive realm of that metric Mm -hmm. where we're really looking at the optimal functioning of what people would be or how people now will we term flourishing. Mm Uh, and so I'm really curious to hear what he has to say about people flourishing and how people can flourish even more. Yes, yes. This difference between just like the emotion of happiness that I feel when I eat my sandwich versus like this, <laughs> this uh, long lasting feeling of well-being, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we're actually trying a new format today um, uh, for this debate. Uh, but before that, visit us at psychdebates.com, the home of mental health debates, discussion, and education. Um, if you're listening to our podcast, please leave a review. You can leave a review at Apple Podcast and subscribe to our podcast in all the major podcast platforms. Um, so that you can get updated when we release our episodes, mm-hmm. you can visit us at psychdebates.com, which is the home. It is the Mecca. It is the Madison Square Garden <laughs> of our uh, discussions where we're developing a platform for the important discussions about mental health yes. and get access to our episodes. Yes, it would make us feel very positive if you would do this. <laughs> yes, we would <laughs> We certainly feel uh, positive um, and Leave a positive review if you would. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We'll take we'll take what good with the bad though. If you got any any constructive feedback, yes, no, uh, any constructive feedback is welcome as well. And also, guys, as we said before, any recommendations for future guests mm-hmm. would be awesome. Uh, we're happy to get your feedback on that. And anything that we can improve on, do more of, do less of. We're definitely here more about. Yes. Um, and so, um to follow shortly is the discussion that we had with uh, Dr. Tayyip Rashid. So stay tuned for today's episode. Hey everyone, it's good to have you back for another episode, another exciting debate. And we are so excited to have Dr. Tayyip Rashid with us on, uh, who's a clinical psychologist at the University of Toronto uh, he's he is prolific in the topic of positive uh, psychology and has actually written a number of academic journals, textbooks of psychiatry and psychotherapy, and has a book uh, with Dr. Martin Selgman, who's the founder, essentially, of positive psychology. His book is named Positive Psychotherapy, um, and is considered one of, to be one of the most comprehensive in the field and has been translated to several languages. He's also the inaugural president of the Clinical Division of International Positive Psychology Association. And so we're excited to have him on. Uh, His CV, his accolades uh, would again take a long time to just list. He has many awards. He's given many keynote talks and has been invited to speak in multiple universities. He's worked with a number of different uh, vulnerable patient populations, including the 9-11 families and survivors of the Asian tsunami and Syrian refugees. Uh, and so again, Dr. Tayyip we're so excited to have you on for this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Monty and Jonathan, for um, inviting me to share some thoughts. Um, I will say some half-baked thoughts about positive psychology. <laughs> Not fully baked. <laughs> so let me preface with that. No matter how uh, much accolades your CV is, these uh, we are in a field in which nothing is certain and we are not living in certain times. 
And wow, that that is uh, that is very certainly uh, interesting way to introduce yourself in a very humble way. <laughs> yes, despite how half or fully baked something is, there, there's still a rich, gooey center of of scrumptious knowledge that we hope to, exactly. to tap into. We're gonna continue the food analogy for sure. Uh, I'm all about um, the food analogies. We could <laughs> all day long. You know, we we always start our discussions uh, with these uh, with definitions, and I know in the topic of positive psychology, that's been definitely a controversy of what is good and what is positive. Uh, you know, something could be good uh, and not necessarily pleasurable, and vice versa. And so, I want to want to start there. Uh, what do you think is really the definition of positive psychology? It's a very good question, and uh, I almost like in a second, immediately after introductory remarks in my papers, uh, more recently, uh, in second paragraph, I start saying, justifying um, that uh, the, the treatment that I am somewhat associated called positive psychotherapy within the broader field of positive psychology, uh, it's a misnomer because um, positive psychotherapy does not mean the rest of uh, psychotherapy psychological psychiatric treatments are negative. Uh, it just happens to be uh, when at the uh, alignment of cosmic stars happened, I was doing my uh, postdoc uh, uh, studies with uh, Marty Seligman at uh, Penn and uh, positive psychology was ushering on the horizon and uh, positive education was coming into flourishing many other fields and uh, Marty one day asked me uh, because I was doing my um, what you call residency at uh, Penn uh, why, um, what, why don't you try in clinical settings and some some of the interventions you know, which he had tried um, in uh, other settings and I put uh, some of them together in a package and uh, in a haste to get the REB ethics approval, um, submit for ethics approval, uh, we need to give it a name and we gave it a name of positive psychotherapy. So if you ask me now, would I call positive psychotherapy, positive psychotherapy? Uh, probably not. Um, more accurate term for positive psychotherapy would be balanced psychotherapy, uh, which would be far less sexy, far less attractive. Uh, <laughs> so the, the genie is out of bottle now. I cannot take it back. Um, but let me be on a more serious note. Uh, nothing is positive or negative inherent. Uh, it's um, it's the, it's how we conceptualize it. So for me, positive psychotherapy and positive psych psychology vis-a-vis is integration. Um, anyone who's listening to us, including all of, of us here, have we not ever experienced stress along with some serenity? We all have. Um, if anyone who's listening to this will claim that they haven't held any grudges, um, I would, well, they would maybe a saint, there were very few people, um, but along with grudges, all of us have also experienced uh, uh, slices or moments of gratitude, deep gratitude. Um, anyone who has not been competitive will live in an incredibly competitive world from professional to personal relational world. Um, but we also uh, have seen even in this unprecedented uh, COVID-19 crisis, when you look at the studies 
all the indices are still showing, many of the indices are showing uh, negative uh, impact of mental health. But there's uh, one trait that has increased. Um, there's a couple of studies that have been shown, and that is altruism. So along with competitiveness, we are also built in for uh, cooperation. So my the, to sum up my question, what positive psychology is, positive psychology is, uh, let me say it this way. I probably have never defined it this way. So you asked me. I think our built-in mechanism, um, uh, Jonathan and Monty, is to be kind. Uh, there is some something happens in our socialization process that we veer away from that kindness. There's a different individual differences in kindness. There's some executive managerial uh, capacity that make us less kind and then others individually and collectively. Positive psychology is um, a systematic and sustained effort to bring that, bring back us to be more kind by the, our default mechanism. Yeah, well, that's very, very interesting. Um, you know, also this idea that during COVID, uh, people became more altruistic, which is which is a very interesting idea. Uh, I never really thought about um, what what type of psychological. Well, we did in a way what type of um, psychopathologies people may have uh, <laughs> developed during the COVID era, but not really thought about how uh, it might have some silver lining in terms of uh, positive psychological outcomes. Yeah, um, like, well, what is what is driving people to be more altruistic is what I'm wondering. Like, are people just kind of, I don't know, they're, they're sad and so they're looking for something to, to build them up and so they look to volunteer? Or, I, I'm curious what you think about that, Dr. Rashid. Very interesting question. I have thought long and hard. Uh, I don't have good empirical answers. I can only speculate from about 15 months of uh, um, clinical practice. This is my therapy office that I'm speaking to you. Um, uh, let's first also make sure that we don't underestimate the incredible amount of grief and loss and pain we all have suffered individually and collectively. Loss of uh, millions of lives, loss of opportunities. Uh, we never thought before third week of March 2020 that our social freedoms will be taken away and we are not um, accustomed to that in Western, especially in Western world. Um, we couldn't leave home. We couldn't be in all, and all the restrictions. So it was painful. Um, so where the altruism has come is um, when we face a common threat, I think it is, uh, it probably goes to existential pain, existential angst. And I'll give you an example with the help of a case illustration. I was working with a client just prior to a year before COVID. They lost their uh, one of their parents to a very protected battle with cancer. And it was much, very difficult for them. Um, very bright individual, cognitively bright, um, very introvert as well very independent and now trying to deal with the, and they were raised by this only one parent. Um, and I was afraid, was worried about them. They would, they did not reach out to me. I reached out to them. I had not seen them months before 
the shut lockdown. And uh, when I reached out to them, they just cried, cried, and they said, I, I, I thought no one would reach me, first of all, um, because this is the first time I'm living in this big, gigantic home by myself. It's so difficult. Um, then I don't know what to do with the, the dreams of whatever their dreams from education to employment had shattered. Lots of things had happened, and they had already uh, grieving from grieving. They now fell into depression. So one of the ways I, I knew because I work from positive psychology perspective, and I had and previously teased apart some of uh, their positive attributes. One of the part, positive attributes was they were incredibly kind person, and I came to to uh, almost. The, the marvelous uh, amount of uh, kindness because uh, in the in the therapeutic work prior they showed kindness towards um, some of the family extended family members who were not acting in in very kind ways after the death of this parent about certain financial issues so um and they, one of the person who were actually very unkind, they, in the very first session, they said they're worried about them because they are elderly. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, this person is in the depth of depression. And now they're thinking about this relative who was, was very unkind, very recently, continues to be unkind, some legal issues, all things. They said, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't know if they are able to get out of home and uh, get to the groceries. So around that time, um, uh, uh, Monty were talking about Toronto. So this movement started from Toronto care mongering. So it was a community group and uh, it just uh, spread like a wildfire in the early days of COVID. And then they started um, putting their names up. Uh, if are there any uh, elderly, uh, uh, people in the neighborhood will provide them groceries. So this is what, after discussing with me, just discussion of kindness, um, is it, how can you use your kindness? <clears throat> but be very careful because you don't want to get hurt too, too much kindness can be not too good. Next time they came and they said, you know what, I looked up, I found this group here, Mongrini, and I contacted them and I made sure the groceries were delivered to them. And I knew if I had gone to their home, even from a distance, socially distance, they would not like it. So I asked someone to deliver the groceries and I stayed back. And uh, when the groceries were put on the front porch, I waited until they came out, pick up the groceries. So this to me, Jonathan, you asked about uh, where is that coming from? We are built in. Somehow in mental health, when we are working with clients, we look that they, they, the symptoms from depression, anxiety, paranoia, doubt, all of those things are important and I'm not underestimating them. But I think we all should also look for where there are genuine um, uh, pockets, uh, genuine reserves of kindness, curiosity, creativity, and find, just gently nudge them, our clients, to look in, in themselves, because they will feel better, 
trust me, it doesn't make me any better therapist if I am, I sit up here and say, you know what, you meet seven out of uh, nine uh, criteria for a panic disorder or a, a, a MDD, major depressive episode. And uh, now I'm going to send you to this expert, to this expert, this expert. It actually increases the distance um, just because it's inherently the power differential. But when you elicit their humanity, their strengths, the relationship, in my view, can, not always, can become on a different plane. It's the, the therapeutic encounters are not across they become with the client. So it, it, so then what I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is within positive psychology, there's, there's more than just like, oh, we'll go out and do good things for other people and, and you'll feel better about it. There's, it sounds like there's this attitude behind it, this attitude of looking at the patient in front of you and, and not just say, look at the DSM-5 criteria so that we're able to diagnose them with a mental disorder, but then also looking for the positive attributes, which which is also something that will bring people closer together. It'll improve that therapeutic alliance. And so you as the provider are able to, to have greater rapport and perhaps will aid in the patient's recovery itself. I, I And I, as I hear about that, I, I can think of all kinds of clinical parallels just with my own patients, is, you know, because you're right. These these can be just so, so empowering. Like if, if somebody comes into the hospital and maybe they're feeling like, like, you know, they're worthless, they're hopeless. Um, but then like their, their child is the one that's keeping them alive. I'm like, Oh, so you, you really care about your child. And then you can, okay, well, tell me more about that. And they're like, okay, well, I want this. Like, Oh wow. What a positive attribute that you have this caring, empathetic nature. And then I, I can just see the face will, will change. And you're right. It's not a magic trick, but I, I can definitely yeah, well, relate with that. You know, it's, it sounds like uh, it has some parallels and correct me if I'm wrong. And, and just hearing about this really recently is like a, a little bit like a motivational interviewing elements to it uh, where you're kind of uh, eliciting uh, the patient person um, uh, own internal resource for for being positive or having positive aspects to them to um, to kind of produce this positive change in their life. Um so I'm really curious about uh, something that you you said earlier about the name of the psychotherapy itself, which is changing it to balanced uh, mm -hmm. psychotherapy. I'm curious to hear about why why you you want to or would would have thought of this as the name if you had the chance to go back. The why I term it that way, I hope. Um positive psychotherapy ceases in 20, 30, 40 years, because um, psychotherapy is one of the most uh, wonderful human endeavor. Uh, it has existed from time immemorial. Um, uh, when two human beings started communicating with, with each other, that was the first therapeutic encounter. That was first form of psychotherapy. Um, of course, fast forward, we had uh, many system. And today, if you put the word psychotherapy um, in Amazon, and there's a dizzying array of brands, hundreds of brands, 
brands, I call them brands. Um, essentially, psychotherapy, the hope and the promise of psychotherapy is human connection. Uh, but human connection is not um, simple and not easy. Uh, we cannot, so to coming to the first part of your question, uh, why I said that the balance, uh, we, we love somehow we thought that uh, uh, human brain, uh, we, we, we actually went behind, if, if you go to the evolutionary psychology, we followed the human brain development. Our, all three of our minds and those are listening, our minds remember unfinished tasks much um, more acutely than finished tasks. Uh, you, your child, and this is actually an experiment by Don Clifton, your child brings, uh, uh, generically speaking of any parent, uh, four grades. Three of them are A, one of them is B. Which grade most parents are likely to discuss yeah, that, that is that. That sounds like a very uh, you know reminiscent of my own immigrant parent experience. I think a lot of us can <laughs> relate to that. <laughs> even I, even um, uh, myself as a parent, still do that, and that's <laughs> recovering from. This. And that is a curious question, actually, which is like I, I, this applies to you know kind of a greater thing, which is like why do we remember negative things? Um, because I think there's so many positive things that happen in a day, but it's just like one negative thing, <laughs> and, and, and you just exactly. There's a wonderful book by John Tiersky and um, Rai by Moister, who wrote actually the article that almost in every, most of my articles I have cited in the very first, but then the title of the article is um, um, uh, the, the Bad is Stronger. So somehow our brain got developed, uh, social got socialized that we, when we looked at the horizon and scanned the danger, uh, we developed these senses, uh, our sensory and perceptual mechanism became uh, much more vigilant to, to pick up the, the negatives. Um, so that there were certain uh, advantages of that. Mm. We, could, we could then prepare for ourselves against dangers. And is that, was it, very, that was to remember where that where the line was at last ex time. Ex exactly. <laughs> or how, yeah. yeah, excellent. It, it, think about it. If we didn't have those that vigilance, um, uh, we use that vigilance very well uh, in many societies, and still we're using. Mm. We still need to use that vigilance to deal with COVID and its mm. variants, because you need to be. I had, as one of the funniest emails I, I had, I had a client, they long um, uh, left and graduated and, and there's, uh, they sent me an email, um, you know, and, you know, Dr. Sheed, you always, uh, I, I, you remember me and I had um, OCD and I had always, uh, so I was so stressed. I must tell you, this is the first time in my life my OCD is helping me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're because yeah, there's is exactly there's a function to to like some of the suffering that we're experiencing. 
Like, you know, if if I just speak really rudely to Monty, then he may not want to add me back to this podcast again. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> all kinds of situations. If I'm if I'm rude to my patients and and it, it takes this examination of maybe the the other person's response when I'm talking to them and then kind of that like thinking and and a healthy amount of ruminating, right? For me to be like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that." And then, you know, be able to to alter my future behavior. This. Yes. So, so there's, that's why, uh, back to the question is this, uh, it's so important not to look at negatives in a negative way in, uh, because uh, anger has very adaptive uh, uh, functions. If we didn't have anger, um, we would not be here uh, for the racial justice, um, the advances that we have made especially in the last one year and many in decades before. So to sort of sum up is this anger has adaptive functions, um, especially when we are dealing with crisis. But when we, we life is not in uh, about uh, driving on highway uh, at 100 miles, we use miles uh, all the time. Um, most of life is on the country roads, most of life in the middle or, the th uh, or on the left lane, um, uh, on the right lane, on the left lane. So I think it, it's, it's important that we um, switch, uh, that what is not that it's about negative or positive. Uh, we don't treat negatives as sort of uh, in psych psychology, in psychotherapy, in psychiatric um, uh, treatments that uh, depression, anxiety, um, they are far more important. Yes, they are important, but so is the positive, uh, the gratitude, uh, because when you can elicit both of them, putting them together is hard. And I'm this, this is where I started. My half-baked thoughts are human conditions are so com complex, fascinatingly complex, that putting the yin and yang together uh, we just began this. If it, if you gave me uh, to only work with symptoms, I have from psychopharmacology to many, many therapies. If you just gave me to work on uh, positives, go to Barnes and Noble, novels and many self-help books, you will find like so many precedents for, for eternal bliss. It's the question is putting the self-help notions and the psychiatric notions in one human being together and that yeah, is and complex yeah and absolutely and that, that's what we're curious about you know just for us and for our audience and i know people you know people might be taking notes in this section here is like what what are the, some of those things uh through your extensive uh therapy work and through through your research what are some things that stood out for you in terms of qualities positive qualities that we should try to cultivate um, in ourselves, in our patients, in general. Uh, so, first of all, is uh, just being aware that negative has more um, is more powerful. It's going to stand out more. Uh, it's far more easier for us to pick up the the negative attributes of others. Uh, so, we need to train our mind, uh, retrain our mind and retrain periodically to spot the strengths of other people. Um, we are biased. We often are able to spot our strengths. 
and uh, we are able to spot and, uh, the weaknesses of others. I think we need to reverse this. Uh, also spot uh, other strengths. I'm not saying put yourself down because that will go into depression, but uh, it's it's important to be balanced. So that's uh, one thing. And there are some specific techniques. Um, I give them uh, uh, I give them some tests. But before test, I actually ask them lots of uh, narratives. Tell me about your life. And when they are sh sharing the stories, the one I shared about this person about lost their parent in those narratives as a healthcare provider as a as a resident who is listening as a as a intern who is listening it is it, it, there are opportunities for you to gently uh, punctuate use the power of pause use the power of question and as uh, Jonathan was saying, that was wonderful uh, when you were able to do that. Tell me more about it. So with the curiosity that you have inbuilt in all of us, you can ignite that curiosity in your clients to know about themselves and about others. So that's the other thing. The second one is um, giving them the confidence uh, that they have strengths they have resources, they have abilities, they have talents, is not enough. Giving them specific techniques, how they're going to untangle the complexities of life when um, other day a client, very high functioning, um, called me and they said, um, uh, everything is going well, but lately, Dr. Sheet, I'm getting very angry at small little things and I don't know why. So, uh, so it is also important that we help our, uh, our clients, our work is informed uh, by good assessments. And those assessments then can be linked with specific techniques and skills. Now, this gives me opportunity to, uh, uh, Monty, you were talking about motivational interviewing. I think positive psychology is a new name, uh, but those techniques has been uh, tried and tested under various, um, um, you know, theoretical and models, humanistic models, wonderful. Solution focus is wonderful. Uh, even behavioral activation is, is, has some very wonderful things. Uh, so I don't shy away to say, oh, I am positive psychology, I'm gonna dig my heels into that. For me, it's the integration. Mm. Uh, so, but I do also, um, uh, I also don't say that I am a journalist and I can, I'm, I can take some slices from this, some slices from this, because we also need to give uh, science. So for example, CBT for panic disorders, CBT for P PTSD is absolutely wonderful. Once the symptoms subside, then you can bring positive psychology in. Uh, last but not least, I also put a lot of emphasis, which I'm going to ask you, two of you, um, let's do this exercise right now. Um, let's do Jonathan, it. Yeah, I'm excited. Jonathan and, and Monty, what purpose this podcast um, will serve for those who are listening? What's, some, what's your purpose behind this? Well, wow, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, uh, the aim of this podcast is to, you know, create this platform where we're discussing topics that are uh, 
related to mental health with different people from different disciplines, with different ideas, to educate people, um, to create more knowledge about psychology, psychiatry, mental health, to destigmatize some issues, uh, to explore new ways that we can practice. Uh, so those are some of the things that come to mind. And, and Monty, you've, you've mentioned this in a way that I really like. In some ways, it's kind of an artistic outlet for us. And, and I know, at least for me, I just enjoy coming on and talking with people. And <laughs> I learn so much from our speakers, our guests. So I, I just, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, but, but there's, this, there's ex- this expression that comes with it that just brings so much joy that, that I feel like I can share with others in my life outside the podcast as well. So there, this is, this is, this, here's the answer. What's the technique? The technique here is we can, we congregate, we came together. Even if it's virtual in boxes, we still can feel the warmth. Uh, when you were exp- expressing that uh, it looks like that you, Duke or any other universities don't bring you huge sums of money to do this. So you're doing this. Not at all. <laughs> and if they want to, we're happy to take some. <laughs> um, so you're doing this because you are, this is something beyond yourself. So we always want to do, uh, as we said, as I said, we are essentially um, deeply, deeply social human being. We're kind people. So we, this is an expression of kindness. And when we extend kindness, it actually helps us. So it's, it's, a, it's an expression of altruism. It's an, and then inherent in altruism is meaning. That was my, that is where I go, was going. I so really in- like that question, by the way. I just want to, you know, before we move on, because it made me, it's, it seems very subtle, yet it's very powerful to think about internally what this thing does for you and how it makes you feel positive in a way. And it mm-hmm. makes you really search for those things and it creates those emotions in you. Uh, so I invite our audience as well to think about what are some things that they enjoy doing uh, and why they enjoy doing them. Such as leaving a kind review on Apple Podcasts <laughs> about this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, it also, it makes me um, uh, wonder if, I, I, I love this question. Are, are there any like um, worksheets or anything that we could immediately like take from this and, and start using with our patients as well? Mm. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, so, so, so I, 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 my effort has always been to um, share resources um, freely. So some resources are on my website, mm. and uh, the the book has book is and, and just for our audience, uh, just for our audience, so that, that they know you're referring to your uh, main website, and I don't want to get it wrong here. And it's tayyibrashid.com, uh, uh, spelled just yes. like your name. Uh, yes. It, it, mm-hmm. So com, And then uh, there is, uh, I was very fortunate to receive a grant uh, through my university. And uh, we also created uh, sort of a curriculum for uh, school, uh, secondary um, uh, school students. Uh, uh, it's uh, derived out of uh, positive psycho. Therapy is called strength-based resilience. One word, strengths, plural, basedresilience.com. And we can also add, it has resources as well. Um, the plus, uh, tons of resources you will find freely if you uh, look for um, positive psychology exercises. Some of these you will find. Um, I think more than resources, what I, I want to appeal, I want to reach mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the heart of the audiences, 
the ideas are there, folks. Let's uh, clear the dust that has been gathering around. Um, life is too short. Uh, we don't know. Um, COVID, if, if anything, COVID has taught us uh, appreciation, gratitude. Things that we took for granted, we cannot and we should not take for granted. Uh, so there is, uh, if not tomorrow, if not next week, if not next month, when? Mm. Life is, you would not have uh, infinitive um, moon, full moons that you will see in your lifetime. There are mm -hmm. finite number of full moons that you will see. So uh, make even small goals. So that actually brings another modality is setting small goals, uh, realistic ones. Tell a friend that I have, uh, today is the uh, 3rd of August. 2021 and 3rd of January or January 1st, I want to accomplish this. Is there anything you want to accomplish? So co-create the goals and then check in through email or phone call three, four times. And then you, as I said, our destiny is with each other. Hmm. We become happier when we achieve together. Um, uh, how many people become very, very happy when they accomplish things on their own? First of all, they can't do on their own. Uh, so I think, uh, so so that's the other skill is, um, uh, and, and coming back to your uh, your field, um, uh, mental health field, therapists and, and psychiatrists, psychologists should, in my view, find ways, actively find ways where they can help uh, clients to find, to frame pragmatic, everyday related, strength-based uh, goals, which are directly related to their problems. And just bringing their attention to that, I'm not very prescriptive. My clients make their own goals. They define their own problems. They make their own goals. I am just a transcriber. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to, towards the end, I said, look, uh, oftentimes, I, yesterday I was saying uh, to a client, we devised five small little things uh, which they will do under very lots of duress, lots of uh, challenges. At the end of the session, they said, uh, I said, look, I, I don't know if you have written these because it's all, all on phone, um, um, but you do, would you remember? If not, I have I have written in, these are in my notes. And uh, if you need, uh, you just let me know. Next time we can discuss them. Uh, but you discuss them long and deep enough that they be they become sort of part of the memory. And they're also not too onerous, so that they can slowly move towards from smaller to bigger challenges in life, such as someone has to deal with the sexual abuse, someone has to deal with the uh, grief uh, and such. Mm. Yeah. So getting, uh, really being that guide and helping people to, uh, see, kind of just see where they're at essentially and not say, try to force them to discuss the deepest, darkest secrets of their life, but then also inching towards that or inching towards whatever is going to be therapeutic and effective for the person. So like, I don't know, I, I, for example, worked with a patient before about who was getting like, you know, three 42 ounce uh, mcdonald's like 
lattes and they were very mm. overweight and that was a huge sounds, distressing sounds thing familiar <laughs> <laughs> and so and so i was like okay so what can we do about this and i remember they made a goal of okay well let's break it down to just one a day 142 ounce you, the audience can't see my hands but it's this massive thing um and and it, it was amazing i remember seeing it after seeing this patient at the next appointment and she had, had gone further and just decided to cut them out entirely and then from there, we were able to work on further goals. Um, and there was yeah. this, this like, this like strength, this like vigorousness and, and satisfaction that the patient had. Yeah, Absolutely. it seems like you. It seems like that smaller goal built their confidence uh, for bigger goals. Uh, it seems like uh, it seems one component that we discussed earlier in regards to positive psychology was like kind of appraisal of negative things and being aware of them. Another was like goal setting and another is like cooperation. So I'm, I'm picking up on themes here. I know that, you know, positive psychology, from my understanding, is that if we were if we were looking at zero as being neutral, uh, the realm of psychopathology being in the negative realm and positive psychology being a positive realm, metrically speaking, uh, that it's like for optimal functioning or the kind of the um, flourishing of human beings. What are what are what is the flourishing human being look like or the optimal human being? I know it's different for everybody, but I'm guessing that there are might be stereotypes from your experience. It's an interesting question because it's a budding field of research and practice that uh, how we help uh, people flourish. So a couple of, uh, uh, and the seminal work is uh, of Carol Riff, um, absolutely wonderful work. And I'll start with her model and, uh, and she gives us good guide. So um, one of the important things is again, having um, relationships because a tonnage, um, big chunk of your flourishing pie of flourishing, pie of happiness. And we are getting away from the word happiness, bringing more well-being and flourishing. Uh, it's a wholesome notion. Uh, comes from having relationships. But also keep in mind, uh, we also are individuals. So we need lots of time with others. We also have time with ourselves. So we can reflect, we can contemplate, um, we can, as you said, um, uh, appraise. You, yes, you can co-appraise, but you need to have that uh, those moments. Um, time spending with nature by yourself is also very um, therapeutic. So relationships mm -hmm. are the first uh, in, ingredient. The second one, as I said, uh, for flourishing human beings, um, having some sense of meaning. But meaning is not static. Meaning changes. Meaning uh, is also not something like mythical or majestic state, uh, because it sounds very <laughs> such mm -hmm. when I say. Uh, I'll give you an example of a client and I, so we were discussing meaning. They Finally, they got it and they, one day they say, came and they said, um, Dr. Shri, you know what I found, what, what, what is gonna give meaning to my life? I said, please, I love, can't wait here. Every time, and this is pre-COVID days, every time I would come to you, to your office, I would make a point to pick up one plastic bag and deposit it. Mm. I had, it was such a, I, I, it, it impacted me because it's not about 
what the impact, the thought behind it, and then connecting it. So then what we did is continue on how that small work can bring, bring a, uh, a, a strings of small actions can contribute to larger actions. So mm -hmm. meaning, mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan, you were talking about creativity. I, uh, a lot of my work focuses on, and uh, there's never a training I've ever done without showing movie clips uh, or poems or poetry or artistic expressions. We have, a, we put so much emphasis on talk therapy. We need to bring creative um, channels of expression for people. Uh, so if I could find any creative, and everyone is creative, I believe everyone has creative uh, nerves, um, creative potential, it's just uh, giving them confidence, giving them some small ideas. Uh, so creativity is a way to sort of harness sometimes the negative um, emotions, appraisal. Um, so creativity, which goes into what Csikszentmihalyi, another founder of positive psychology says, flow. When we are in creative process, we, we are in immerse, we are immersed deeply and that immersion is therapeutic and growth oriented. Uh, the last thing I would say is, is also very important, uh, is sort of uh, social justice, uh, which sort of wrapped up in meaning, but also it's a bigger thing. We, if there's anything God has taught us, hopefully, or will teach us, uh, that we can we live in a deeply, deeply uneven world. If if we do not address that unevenness, look at yesterday's headlines um, from Japan, where the heat is, is, is it is a, they're going a heat wave to Midwest of North of America to to Pacific uh, West Coast of Canada. Um, uh, bushfires, uh, the the floods that came in Germany and China, in one hour we have record rainfalls. We have only one planet, and if we do not take care of this, so for me this is a kind of a social and climate justice. We need to have that collective sense of responsibility and do something about it. At least do some. At least pick one plastic bag. Mm -hmm. So if you do all of these, uh, some of these things, I'm not saying all of these, some of these things, most likely you will experiencing experience flourishing. Now, question is, you cannot experience flourishing all the time. There's always mm -hmm. peaks and valleys. There are, if you look at research, there are, there are people with psychiatrically uh, diagnosed, serious diagnosis, who are also flourishing. Mm -hmm. um, so flourishing is not always complete absence of stressors and psychopathology, and it's that, you know, North Star kind of uh, state. It is uh, sort of a kaleidoscope of human experience, um, more towards well-being, more towards collective well-being, collective self efficacy mm -hmm. Wow. So, so many, so many things are for the audience. Uh, and just a lot of great points, um, just being relationships, being one of them. I think that's a huge thing. I know I've heard about this, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of it, this um, uh, research out of Boston, out of Harvard, uh, this longitudinal, I think it's the longest longitudinal uh, research um, 
that that shows that the one thing that was contributing to happiness uh, that stood out the most over a long period of time was relationships. So that definitely um, kind of resonated with that and I think is so powerful. And people tend to undermine uh, undermine that component or not really give it as much attention. We're living in this world where I feel like there's so much um, individualistic pursuits uh, uh, even when you said the word meaning, a lot of people were probably thinking, what is the meaning for me and my, <laughs> my, uh, my world? <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit. Uh, and yeah. and I, I, I might see where you're getting at as well. There's this kind of dialectical thinking. And I, I think, Dr. Rashid, you were, you were touching on this as well, in that there's, there's not, it's not like there's uh, always going to be good or always going to be bad of anything. And so... If we are, if we're doing things that are giving us meaning and that are altruistic and we're able to talk with others and, and do these good deeds, that over time, these are things that improve one's well-being rather than like this kind of hedonistic way of thinking about happiness that gives you like that immediately, immediate jolt of energy. Um, and, the, and these activities aren't reliable in that way you're, because you're not always going to feel happy after doing something good. And we, we can't always control how the other person's going to react if we're trying to be nice to them. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, again, a very good point. And I, I avoid not to give activities which are going to create a jolt of happiness, jolt of positive emotions, a big spike in positive emotions, because um, my worry is you also look, we, we as aspirational these ideas are, we cannot take our foot from the pedestal of science. We know that there's very strong genetic underpinnings for bipolar disorder. Actually, of all psychiatric disorders, it's one of the highest after, after schizophrenia. So, uh, we, so you, you've also got to keep uh, be mindful of what are the pre-existing vulnerabilities uh, in terms of psychopathology. So that's one thing. The last, the, the 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 one point that I was um, mentioning about um, uh, Monty when you're talking about flourishing, uh, and when I'm talking about meaning, wrapped in that meaning is also the sense of spirituality. If you look at, if you sort of unpack spirituality, what is spirituality? Whatever is this, uh, whatever is the faith tradition that you follow. Um, it, it is actually in some ways you're seeking some direction. Uh, you're seeking some purpose in, in life. Um, either it's divine or, or you know, or, uh, or otherwise. So when we are actually unpack meaning, uh, unpack spirituality, meaning it, it dwells down to lots of components of meaning come, but also has an interesting thing which comes. Um, spirituality is also very closely connected with social relationships you go to church with your loved ones you go to a temple synagogue mosque often with your loved ones that was again that's that's why covid was so hard for us because we couldn't go to the places of worship where we congregate we couldn't seek the we couldn't support our love when we are pain what is the first thing? Well, whether or not you're a spiritual person or not, by default, we say, God, you know, they said one of the, God help us. And in, in, 
So I think uh, what I'm getting at is uh, there's there's a few essential ingredients, their shape, their texture, their hue, their dimensions, and the recipe, their proportion may change from person to person, group to group, but those are essential for well-being. We just need to bring a bit more deliberate focus to cultivate that well sense of well-being and flourishing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Mm. It's it's curious. We've we've also had a, a spirituality and psychiatry. Yeah, episode that was ringing to my head as well. And remembering that conversation about, uh, you know, uh, the the human contact component of spirituality, and definitely, uh, spirituality having a separate separate of that having a positive impact on mental health and maybe related to meaning uh and so that's very interesting um I, one of the questions that i that i had uh as well was something that came up on my reading is how to foster a positive culture um like a culture in in a work environment uh in communities um beyond just uh individuals uh, what, what is something that comes to your mind that would enable that uh, it's a uh... It's a question, it's a wonderful, very, very important question for which I have inadequate answers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why? Um, because in last 300 years um, of, after the post-industrial uh, revolution, and more so last 50 years when we had sort of a hedonistic uh, uh, 70s, 80s, and, and what we did is um, we, be, we trained inadvertently, I would say, our young people to focus uh, on achievement and accomplishment. I'll give you a very stark uh, uh, statistic. In the American undergraduates landing on their, uh, the college and university campuses in 1960s, and these numbers are not approx uh, not exact, but approximation. When they were asked why are coming for a college and university degree, uh, close to two third, we uh, will say to to explore myself, to know what's the purpose of my life. That uh, percentage declined to less than twenty five percent by mid nineties. So I think partly our answer, my inadequate answer is that we have, we took that sense of collective efficacy, collective um, community and responsibility uh, away from our, from our institutions and we filled it with six figure digit with salary with social media statuses, with the hedonic, with the every new model uh, of you know various gadgets we need to bring that sense of back of a of a cl uh, uh, collective uh, self-efficacies collective responsibility and how can we do that a uh, we look at the uh, curriculum in medical schools look at the curriculum in um, business schools how many courses you will find on leadership <laughs> a lot right I, uh, in in medical school i wish there was more i feel like we focus a lot on um on uh, just learning the basic sciences but i'm i'm certainly in business school i would hope yeah so we have a lot of courses on leadership uh they are very important i'm not undermining them 
we also need to have courses on fellowship because you, we can't, we have 7.5 billion people, not, not all 7.5 billion can be leaders. A good leader is, or we need to change the definition of leadership. A good leader is also a good follower. Uh, and I think, so, so, so when we have, uh, so that me, in other words that I'm, I'm saying, Jonathan, is bring the leadership which is focused on team building where there are collective endeavors, where everyone's destiny, it's, I mean, again, I'm bringing COVID again, again, unless everyone is vaccinated, no one is safe. We will are learning this. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say this with the, uh, I was so pleased to see the spike in vaccination rate in early, early part of the year in States. And now I'm seeing that the plateau is going, uh, you're experiencing. So, uh, so to sum up my question is to build that collective culture, uh, we need to have more uh, cooperative uh, educational endeavors. We need to, uh, we need to tell our young people, we need to honestly, honest, not force, but uh, in, in a creative way, engage them uh, to do group assignments, um, to that uh, to take care of each other's. Um, I'm speaking, and I it's not that I'm sitting on a high pedestal. I'm speaking from uh, with you from a city which is called the loneliest city in Canada. More than half inhabitants of Toronto live in single uh, house dwelling, single apartment. So another epidemic that has gripped um, our nation, our culture across the world is of loneliness. And loneliness is, is, is uh, you know, yes, you need some solitude. That's the difference between uh, so social isolation and you know, loneliness. Uh, so loneliness is subjective feeling, but so social isolation is, is you, you crave if you still don't have. And I've seen a spike in young people who want to relate with others, but they have forgotten because they spend so much time. Um, the other last point, more practical point is, please, we can find some ways to take our eyes away from screens and face-to-face, mm. <laughs> face, mm -hmm. smile-to-smile, heart-to-heart, well, with, uh, with the health guidelines. Right, right. Oh, yes, I, I love absolutely. that as, as like a as a take home point as well, and and something very practical that we can use to improve our own happiness. Um, just before we end, is there any other last minute things you'd want to communicate with everybody? My last minute thing would be first of all, I'm thankful uh, to both of you uh, because this is a small illustration of uh, three people and maybe more behind the scenes, um, coming together and, and sharing ideas. Uh, so we, we need more of uh, such uh, endeavors which are not rooted in, in hedonic or commercial pursuits, that's one. My last parting words is that the, the, your, if anyone who's listening, the best thing that you can do to yourself is to uh, to be authentic, to be genuine, to know your both um, the yin and yang on your 
uh, in yourself and then find figure out ways around you because you are not you're not a lonely vessel uh, in this ocean you are on a ship find who where the ship is going who are the travelers who are you traveling with and if there's a collective destiny the best way to achieve that destiny is um, not to spot their deficits, mm -hmm. but to enhance their strengths. Oh, wow. That was Wonderful. so powerful. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Rashid. That, that really hit hard and we appreciate you once again. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, thanks. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.